Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like what the actual fuck. Hi, I'm Ashley McGuire, aka Big Mandy, and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual Fuck. Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF of This Country podcast, number 28 in the Great Britain TV reviews chart for Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much. So I thought I'd do a, <laughs> uh, I thought I'd do our home score for once. Um, the man you can hear with that wonderful high-pitched laugh is my co-host, Neil. Hello there, sir. Well done you? on our achievements. Yes, 28. <laughs> the 28, that's not bad. It's not bad, is it? Not bad You can think all. of a lot worse. Indeed. Well, I mean, we got 175 in Latvia, so 28 in Britain is pretty yeah. good, I think. Um, right, it's another Top Trumps episode, ladies and gentlemen. And um, this is uh, the one we're doing this week is one of the stars of the aftermath, uh, but with a difference because this person is the only person that is an actual real person in the whole show. So, ladies and gentlemen, he is a friend of the show. Please welcome the reporter for New Points West, musician, Star Wars geek. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Nibsy himself, Nib Nobs himself, <laughs> Steve Nibs. Hey! Oh. Evening, fellas. How are we? We're doing doing very well, and it's always nice to speak to you, mate. It really is. I mean, you've been on a couple of our podcasts, haven't you? Mm. Not just not. Yeah. This is the first time on this one. Um, so, how is how is things? How are things with you? How's things in the world of news? Mm. Well, yes, what a year to be a journalist. It has been pretty hectic. Um, Like everybody, the novelty of working at home is completely worn off now. Um, I, you know, editing at home on your own isn't fun anymore. It was great in the first few months. It was brilliant. You know, you could come home and you'd be be home at the end of the day. What's the joy of working from home? But I think like like everybody else, we just want to get back to a bit of normality, don't we? Mm. You know, the, the news is still happening. It's still busy. The demands are still there. But let's um, let's 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 get back to a bit of normality, please. A bit of um, social I've interaction. Got a second, tablet, 
So, yeah, we're ready to go. Absolutely. Yeah, just to see people. I mean, normally, mm. obviously, when we've done this, we've been in the shed. I'm sure you've missed having guests in the shed. And, you know, when, when you're allowed back in, I might even come back and see you again. Oh, you should God. do. You should do. And it is, it is weird oh. because the new normal becomes normal. And we, myself and Neil, were only talking about it before we went, came on air, that things like Zoom is great because you can talk to people from far distances and it's pretty good quality and you know you get to speak to people you probably couldn't speak to if you were trying to get them in the in the shed but mm. it's so nice to have people that, that you know it's just sitting a few feet away from you absolutely yeah look you can see the white of their eyes indeed, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> especially when they're coming in the shed and they got no idea what's going to happen that's the you know it's normally the absolutely. fear that you see in their eyes than anything else <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, you know. I've spent the last, you know, my, my my career of interviewing people on camera. You do, you've got to look somebody in the eye. We've done so many interviews over Zoom. It's been a godsend for us in TV, and I think viewers are used to seeing it now. But my goodness, I can't. You know, we are doing more interviews on camera now in real in real life, and it's it's, mm. it's great to get back to that. That is great. Right, we will be uh, delving into the world of Steve Nibs a little bit uh, later on. But first, we've got the. Uh, the business of June's card from what well, it would have been two Ooh. weeks ago now. So um, before I give you the scores, uh, the final scores for June, uh, Samantha very kindly sent us one of her very in-depth backstories for June. So uh, let me just uh, read through this one. So this is from Samantha. This is about June, obviously. So originally from Cheltenham, she grew up on uh, as an only child in a wealthy family who shipped her off to boarding school. Developing a talent for ballet in her youth, she was given the opportunity to audition for a place at the prestigious National Ballet School. But sadly, her dreams of becoming a professional dancer were shattered after she sustained a career-ending injury on the school hockey pitch the day before an audition. Ooh. Heartbroken, she decided to focus all her energy into her second love, nature and the environment, especially the understanding of plants and flowers, going on to earn a first-class degree in horticulture from the University of Bath. Determined and pushy, she became super successful, super quickly, climbing the ladder to head gardener, any relation to you, Neil? Uh, uh, in, not that I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> at the National Trust for Gloucestershire by the time she was 25. Taking early retirement, she moved to the village where she turned her hand to jam and marmalade making, a skill that has placed her first in the best jam category every year since her initial entry at the village fete in 1998, much to the annoyance of Mrs. Wicks and Polly. She has a guest slot on BBC Radio Gloucestershire's weekly gardening programme and has secretly been in love with Arthur following their first encounter at the Harvest Festival many years ago. So there you go. Pretty concise. Thank you very much, Samantha, for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well done. Thank you. So June's final scores, Got Range 11, Peeper 11, Random Acts of Kindness 18, Cockwomble 80, Wow. And having a laugh, 14. So she is definitely the top trump for <laughs> Cockwomble, I think. I, I will double-check that, but she is uh, riding high on that. So thank you to everybody that voted for June. Um, definitely we can sort of see what kind of person everyone thinks June is. So now on to today's um, uh, victim. Is that the right <laughs> Right, fingers <laughs> guest, guest, guest. Now, obviously, we normally uh, come with a backstory, but as we actually have the actual person here, I thought it might be interesting more to find out 
Steve, how you got into broadcasting, how you trained to be one of, if not the top reporter in the country. <laughs> Let me not just, just say, you know, in the country. Oh. You know, and what kind of attributes you need to have to, to have um, that job. Well, it's... It's, I mean, I, I've been such a geek in my life. So even even when I was little, I wanted to work in radio. So my my dream job was always being a, a radio presenter. So uh, me and my mate, Rich Ford, if he's listening, we used to make radio programmes in our bedrooms on little cassette recorders. And, and I'm sure some of the tapes exist somewhere. And, you know, that was always a bit of a dream for me. And then when I was growing up in Gloucester in the, in the 70s and 80s, Seven Sound came along. It was the local radio station for, for Gloucester. And um, used to listen to that avidly. And then when I was at school, secondary school, uh, they started building BBC Radio Gloucestershire. I used to drive past it every day on the way to school. And um, my parents encouraged me to ring up and say, look, just ring up some work experience. So even before they went on air, I rang up and said, can I come have a look around? I'm really into radio. I really want to do this job. And I think it was just right place, right time. They rang up and I, and I rang up and I, I went round, and they gave me a job in the end for free, I say it was, but for me it was a job, uh, answering the phones on a Sunday morning on Radio Gloucestershire. Okay. So I went in a couple of weeks before they went on air and then became a phone answer on the Sunday morning and then just basically taught myself everything and got annoying. You know, I just asked loads of questions and really got into it and taught myself how to use all the equipment, how to edit. And we were editing on tape in those days with bits of razor blade and pencil and stuff. And and then, so I was, and then when I went away to university, I'm going to give you the potted version. Went away to university, would come back and work in summer holidays. When I graduated, um, I, I became sort of a freelance production reporter and got some freelance shifts there. Ended up getting a staff job there. And then I, out of the blue, a presenting job came up for the afternoon show. And I think I was 23 at the time and went for it, thinking there's no way I'm going to get this job. And, and I got it. And it was absolutely brilliant. So I did that for a couple of years, did various other shows. Uh, then moved away from programmes, became a newsreader in Swindon. Um, and from there, really got bitten by the news bug. Having said I'd never work in television, um, did a, a, a TV taster day uh, with the BBC, absolutely loved it. Ended up getting a job at Points West, then going back to Swindon and becoming the Wiltshire reporter for six years. And then uh, 15 years ago, coming back to Gloucestershire as the Gloucestershire reporter. So... Obviously, it was a bit more complex than that, but that's basically what I did. That's for in a nutshell, and you and you haven't fallen asleep. I'm impressed. No, it's awesome. Do you, um, being that your first job in radio and then moving into TV, do you, do you still have a preference, or or are you happy to put your hand at both? Well, I'm really lucky because what my job now means that I can do both. So my first job is to do the TV, mm. and but everything that I do, I also do a version for Radio Gloucestershire. Right. So, like today, I was in the studio in, in, in Gloucester with Steve Kitchen doing a, a version, a radio version of my story. So, I still get to do radio, and the technology now means we can do it on our phones. We don't have to be um, have loads of kit in place. So I can do it at home now. Um, so, and, and also we do online as well. So, we're providing material for online. So, we're you know we're doing a lot, and um, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, my one massive itch that I scratch every year on radio is um, my other secret passion is disco music. And once a year, I do a program called Disco Paradise, which is the New Year's Eve, 10 till one o'clock in the morning slot, bringing in the new year right across the West Country on local radio. Wow. Um, and that is brilliant. So that's three hours. 
of just playing the best music that I love. And, and, and I don't have to talk about the news. I don't have to be that serious. And not that I'm always that serious on the TV anyway, but that's, so that's my great learn as well. Yeah. I get to be a, a DJ once a year again, which I used to. And play. that's completely live at New Year. Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we, the secret's pre- out. We pre-record a lot of stuff over, uh, over Christmas, obviously. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I love the BBC to bits. I think, to be in the in, in the BBC building on your own at New Year's Eve at midnight is a little bit sad. So I let them, yeah, they, they let me pre-record it. Um, oh, that's but it, it, it's great fun. But also means if I make a mistake, I can go back and do it again. Mm. So what about stories then, Steve? When they come to, how do you do? You pick the story, or do you get allocated a story? How does it work? Yes. It's a bit of both, really. We have a we have a planning department at Points West, and they come to me with stories. Uh, for me, as the Gloucestershire reporter as well, it's up to me to go, right, this is the story I think we should be doing today. So, yeah, it's a bit of both. I mean, some days you start and you have no idea what you're doing because nothing's been set up and it's, it's just a quiet news day. There's always something in your back pocket. Um, but although you have other days where things are set up or you have big stories that are happening that you know you're going to go and do. So uh, the, the, the one thing I'd always say about this is that I, I work with... Um, a great cameraman, Mark Leach, who I know you've met because we filmed in the shed with you. That's right. Mark yeah. has been a cam- cameraman for years, his dad before that. And he was born and bred in Gloucestershire. I'm born and bred in Gloucestershire. And it is just a real privilege to do the job because every day is different. I mean, we've been around for such a long time now. Some of the same stories are coming around. Um, but, you know, you people know me. So that's good for contacts. And you get to, I get to report on the county that I love. So yeah, I, there isn't much to complain about at the moment. And um, it's been a tough year for everybody, and it's been a real privilege to report what's been happening in uh, in the pandemic in Gloucestershire, um, mm. because it's my job to get Gloucestershire on the telly. So uh, and I'll do that as long as the BBC will let me. Mm. Now you were involved with this country sort of right from the start as well, weren't you? It's like doing some of the very first, well, I probably were doing the very first sort of TV reports about Series 1. Yeah, so that came about because in classic BBC style, we knew nothing about this country. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we should have listened to your podcast in those days. So we knew nothing about it. And uh, one of my colleagues saw it on the telly. And in fact, it was Faye who, um who you've had on the podcast. So yeah, yeah, Faye, yeah. Faye saw uh, the programme and got an interview with um, Daisy and Charlie and she came and said to me, I've just interviewed this brother and sister from Sirencester about their new comedy. Have you seen that? I said no. Literally watched it straight away at work and the next day we, we were interviewing Daisy and Charlie in North Beach. And I remember it really clearly because we were waiting for them to turn up and this um, slightly knackered camper van turned up and uh, out of the back, poor Daisy and Charlie. Daisy had a fag on. She was worried about how she was looking. I think she was worried she'd spilt something down her top. And um, But they did a great interview. And I think, yeah, that was the first TV interview we did with them. And it just it just went from there, really. And, you know, it seems odd to think that back then nobody knew who they were and nobody knew how successful the programme was going to become. And literally, I think we interviewed them in the, the October, November in the following May, we were on the red carpet at the Baftas with them. I mean, it's just mm. phenomenal, mm. and um, so it just it just shows what a success it was. And you also got to host the Q, uh, the the um, the preview screenings with the the cast and crew there. How did you get that? Same principle. Certainly. 
they just asked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they asked me if I wanted to do it. And it, you know, again, that's, that's a no brainer. And what a great experience. And like, you know, we worked, the, the team worked really hard on it because wasn't it great to have it in Siren System? Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I know that, I know the production team, Simon and Tom were keen that that happened. And so were Daisy and Charlie, means they didn't have far to go. But to have it on home turf, that happens pretty rarely. Most of these big things are in London. So it was fantastic. And then to see people traveling from all over the country. Um, and we, but before that, we'd done a, um, a charity event with Rock the Cotswolds, which was Daisy and Charlie's mm. first public appearance in front of a crowd, I think. And they, they were filming series two at that point, and, and Daisy was pretty uh, heavily pregnant. And they, well, you guys, you guys were there, weren't you? Uh, no, we, we never, didn't go to that one. No, no, no. no. It sold out so quickly. And but I remember really clearly from that is they they arrived and we sort of just had a chat about what we were going to talk about. And they come straight from set, and we went upstairs um, in the venue it was in in the in the hall. There was a mezzanine upstairs. We went upstairs to get our radio mics on, and all the the crowd started singing. He's dead, he's mm-hmm. dead, he's dead, he's dead. And, and Charlie and Daisy's face just dropped. And I think for, from that, that was the moment when they suddenly realised what a big deal this country was to the fans. I mean, they were, the fans were, we didn't even, we didn't need a warm up act. No. Which is pretty good. My jokes aren't very good. But um, <laughs> they, they um, the crowd were absolutely brilliant. And you, I could have come on and just coughed and people would have laughed. But that moment when Daisy and Charlie walked out on stage, I think it's still on YouTube, it's insane absolutely insane and they were just blown away by it and um of course i'm sure like chilled with it now because they've done bigger things but for them for that moment that was the moment i think it really made them feel that they they'd hit the big time yeah well i think we realized when we were because when we went to the series two and the series three when we were talking to the crowd as they were lined up outside and you realize again like how far people had had come just to come and watch the first couple of episodes or the, it was the fact of being in a lottery to get the tickets was, was, yeah. was almost, that was quite an exciting thing for a lot of people as well. And it, it did make you realize that this isn't just a Sarancester or a Gloucestershire thing. Now this is um, like a countrywide thing and it's become a bit of a phenomenon. Yeah. People, like I say, people travel from all over the country. We could have sold that preview screening. I mean, a dozen times over, I think it was, the, the demand was incredible. I think they put on an extra screening in the day for, 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 for other people. But I think, I think what you've got to remember from, you know, in my, in my role as a journalist, you know, I've seen stories like this before where you, you're with somebody right at the very beginning of something really special and you don't know what it is. And it's a real privilege to be involved in it for that moment. Because let's be honest, Daisy in Charlie and Daisy in particular, in particular of, of, you know, their meteoric rise to fame and, and they've done this country for the moment is done as far as we know. Let's hope they, they bring it back. At some point, I'm sure they will. They sort of have promised that, haven't they? Um, but, you know, they, 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 that's it. They're done now. We're, 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 and and the, this country story for us is done at the moment. They're up for more BAFTAs. We'll, we'll, that remains to be seen, and we'll follow that. Um, but for us, it's just been a privilege to, to, to make hay while the sun shines with them. And I wish them all the success. And uh, I haven't seen them since the screening. Um, but, you know, obviously the pandemic hit, so things have changed and I'm sure we'll see them again at some point. But for them, for us, and I'm sure for you, it's been a privilege to know them for this period of time. Mm. And uh, and we're just looking forward to seeing what they do next. Absolutely. Yeah. So the aftermath then, Steve, your appearance in the actual show, how did that come about? They asked me, Neil. That was it. <laughs> again, they just asked, was it? 
If only yeah, we knew they... it was that easy, Neil, to get on the show. I know. Where was our ass? I don't know. <laughs> it's really interesting because at the end of season, I, I knew about it in the, the Simon, we'd sort of known about it and then Simon confirmed it. This sounds so showbiz, it's so not me. They suddenly confirmed it at the bathroom. He said, well, we want you to do it. And uh, I said, yeah, no problem. Just, you know, send me the script. But my um, my friend, Ben Faulkner, who was, is a great journalist, Ben. He was the editor of Stroud Life and, and Citizen for many years. He was the chief reporter at The Citizen. He was going on Twitter at the end of, season, at the end of series two. He said, please get Nibsy in the next episode, stood outside Siren Sester Magistrate's Court, um, covering the trial. So we made a joke about it, but they did, I couldn't tell Ben, but we already knew that was going to happen. Oh, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so I tip it to Ben. But yeah, so they asked me to do it. Uh, Simon sent me the bit of the script while I was on holiday and asked me to make some changes. I ended up writing a massive five-minute scene based on a whole uh, background. And he sent it back. He said, I haven't got time for that. So we turned it down again. And I just, we, we recorded it. I think it was my first day back from holiday. And... They, they reopened Simon System Magistrates Court. There were a couple of extras there. Uh, one guy playing a photographer, a couple playing a couple of ne'er-do-wells. Sealer? Um, Perfect for us, that would have been. Yeah. <laughs> you would have been fixed. You would have um, and the police officer walking down the steps behind me was the real inspector from Simon Sester Police, Karen, who, who we knew. So she's she me and her were the only real people in it, actually. Right. Um, so we, we filmed it in the morning and... It was my idea to get Paul there because, you know, to, to get Martin Mucklow walking into court was just brilliant. And um, it was funny because he, he turned up and, you know, he had his bit of showbiz. He turned up in a, in a nice car and everybody cheered when he arrived. He walked in three times and then he was done, you know. So right. <laughs> and that, was, that was his whole thing for the aftermath. Um, so that was really good. Uh, and then we I basically went into the police station and we had a cup of tea with Karen and I edited the sequence together. And then we went up to set in North Leach after lunch and watched it being filmed. And they basically, uh, they, they did it by um, plugging a laptop into the telly and, uh, and Charlie was using a remote control. Um, and it was great to see, yeah, and, it, and it worked really well. And we didn't know until we'd seen them filming this scene that it was the bit where uh, Daisy was revealed as, uh, as, as not being in prison. So that was a really great moment to watch that. Mm. And obviously we, actually, we couldn't say anything. Yeah, um, and if you want a little little um, geeky secret, um, if you look at the scene now, when Charlie presses pause, there's a uh, like a banner comes up saying Points West. That wasn't on the original, and one of the team said, "Well, if Charlie was pressing pause on the button, then there would be a, a sky banner popping up," and and they put it in in post production. Oh, and wow. it is, it, you can't tell that it's amazing. And I, I, mm. I said to Simon, oh, "Did you reshoot it?" He went, "No, no, we we did it in post." So that's wow. a little geek, that's a geeky behind the scenes thing that uh, they did because I was just stopping it frame by frame, seeing where the graphic was because I'm such a geek. But they did a really good job on that, and 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 I kept it. And finally, things on this that I kept it secret. I didn't tell, uh, I didn't tell my wife, uh, I didn't tell my family, I didn't tell my friends because I wanted it to be a surprise. Because so many people have been saying, "Are you going to be in it?" And then they put me in the bloody trailer, and everybody knew. <laughs> 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 so, and yeah. also. Also with that scene, Steve, is the uh, infamous uh, courtroom sketch. Did you get to see that oh. pre the show? Yeah, they, they sent me that because I, I edited it into the piece. And um, I think it was Tom from the art department that did it. It's just genius. It I mean, I've used, I've used worst 
worse court drawings than that in real life. <laughs> um, uh, it, was, it was brilliant. We've now got uh, a copy of it framed above our edit, in our edit suite in Gloucester. Fabulous. So you actually filmed that and as if it was an actual, like what would you, like your normal day job. There was nothing different about how you filmed it. No, we did it exactly the same. Mark, I asked Mark was the cameraman. So Mark did the filming. Um, he didn't get credit, so we're annoyed at that, but there we go. Um, <laughs> and then I edited it together as, as if it was a, and we put, I mean, the graphics that are on the bottom aren't what we would normally use on Point West. Um, but it just added to the scene of having, you know, vacuum cleaner trial, I think it was, and bits and bobs. And um, so, yeah, we just edited it together and, 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 and took it up to set. So for us, it was, it was the day job. This is what we do for a living. And, um, and it was, it was great fun. That is great. That is great. It is um, awesome. Right. We're going to find out more about Steve Nibbs, the man now, um, <laughs> as we work out his top Trump's score. Now, I'm going by Steve Nibbs, the man we see on the screen, not the man that I know <laughs> in real life. I, it's entirely up to you, Steve, how you want to score yourself. Uh, okay. The, the same with you, Neil. Right. I've so gone the you... same. The man we see on the screen. Right. Okay. All right. okay. That's cool. Right. So, got range. How do we think Steve Nibbs, the aftermath Steve Nibbs, I'll call him that, uh, how do we think he'll do in a fight? Out of a hundred, Steve, we'll start with you. I've never had a fight in my life. Okay, write this quite carefully. Um, let me just. So I'm going to turn my email off because it keeps coming in. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. Um, the uh, got yeah, got right. I'm, I'm I don't like fighting. Um, so I think got range probably. I I, I give myself fifteen. Okay. Is, yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I give, it, I, give it go, I give it a go. You know, <laughs> I don't want to give it. I'm not inviting somebody. To <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a lover, not a fighter. Is basically I what am, you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. There you go. Right, Neil, what have you said? I well, I'm ten more than Steve. I put twenty five because I feel that if he got pissed off enough with people heckling him while he was trying to film a piece, I think he could get quite fiery. So I gave you twenty five. <laughs> I don't think you go out for a fight. But I think you could put a few oiks in their place. <laughs> okay. I, well, I think you know the 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 mouth is mightier than the sword. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right now, I've gone seventy. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, mainly, mainly because, right? Bear with me on this. Mainly because, right? He is a top professional reporter. Okay, I feel that like the aftermath, Steve's nibs has done stuff like in hot spots around the world and he needs to get in there and he needs to not take any shit from anybody. So he's handy. He's handy in a fight. He's a, he's a top class reporter. So he needs to get in positions that the mere mortal wouldn't want to get in. Cause he wants to get that story. He needs to get that story. He has to get that story. So <laughs> he's there ready to fight as far as I'm concerned. So okay. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. He's well, so I'll take that. I'll take that. So <laughs> I'm going for a good old seventy. Wow. So um we will give all the scores out Brilliant. at the end at the at the end, um, Steve, just so that you know what your final scores are. Right. Okay, peeper. Neil, what kind of peeper is the aftermath, Steve Nibbs? Well, I've given him thirty. Now uh, you'll understand why, not because you're out there um 
being the pervy peeper, it's because inherent in the job. You're peeping on people's lives. So he's always going to have an element of peeping. So, Steve, I've given you 30. Okay. Um, yeah, like, I think that's definitely too low. <laughs> I've, I've gone 48. <laughs> I've gone 48. Have I've gone just tipped under halfway, but on the same premise that you naturally have to be a bit of a peeper to do the job. You have to be inquisitive. You have to want to stick your nose in places that it doesn't need to be, you know? And I, so I think, I think, yeah, just naturally to do your job. Well, I think you have to be a bit, a bit higher than 30. So I've gone 48. What about you, Steve? Well, this is dangerous you see, because if I, you know, if I go too high, uh, just on the card, it's going to come up with like, he's a peeper. <laughs> yeah, no a peeper, yeah. yeah. So no You'll be up there with Martin Mucklow. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good place to be. And uh, I, I do love my reputation. So I think uh, in the context of curious peeping, rather than, as you say, illegal peeping, um, I'm just going to go straight down the middle and say 50. Okay. No, that's 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 a good reason. That's with that's with the caveat of curiosity. Yeah, I think that would hold up in a court of law. Uh, that then that what you said there, Steve. Especially science of the magistrates. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then we can be the ne'er do wells standing on the steps. <laughs> okay. Um, random acts of kindness. Now I've I've gone forty one for this because again, I don't think he needs to sort of barge into places he needs if he's on a red carpet for instance you can't be nice you can't be kind you want to be at the front getting the interviews with tom cruise with daisy and charlie with anybody that's walking past you can't be a quintessential quintessential british person by going no it's okay you go first you go first you'll never get the scoop so as far as i'm concerned and i as much as i don't i I think it should be higher because we know the real Steve Nibs, and we know that a random act of kindness score for him should be mid to low 80s. I think it should be up there. But for the aftermath, Steve Nibs, the hard-nosed reporter that's there and wants to get the job done, I've gone 41. Uh, Steve? Well, uh, I'm going really high because uh, even though I accept what you say, um, I think... You know, you've got to remember that one day I can be the hard-nosed journalist outside of court talking about a vacuum cleaning trial, but the following day I could be interviewing a little old lady about her flower collection or something, and you've got to be really nice. So that I'm on true. 87. No, that's a good one. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a fair enough point, That That's mm. a fair enough point. Exactly the reason I, I went high. I went 70, Steve. Because I thought, you know, you're going to be, you've got to be kind to get the interview. You know, you might be not so kind to the people surrounding you to get that interview. But when you're interviewing the person, you've got to be kind. You've got to be interested. So instantly you're going to be high to me. Um, I think you've always got to to be nice because I'm a local journalist as well. You've got to be nice because if you annoy people, they ain't going to talk to you again. So, um, yeah, I'm only, I'm only robust with the people that deserve it should i say yeah i feel really tight now just giving you 41 <laughs> you I, I know i'm gonna change it i'm gonna change it to 61 i'm gonna oh, add i'm gonna add, a, I'm gonna add an extra 20 i feel like I've, I've i feel like i've given you a disservice there steve well i was being robust with you pal well, you were oh well i'm gonna drop you down 30 points then because that's not, 
<laughs> uh, no, okay, that's fair enough. No, because that's that's good. You both made good points there. Um, right then, I mean, may need to change my uh, score for Cockwomble now. Then, um, Steve, what's your score for Cockwomble? Why am I going first? Well, because I'm doing it. Uh, oh, okay. Doing it on in order. Well, very much for the reasons that I gave before um, for the previous category. Um, you've got to be a nice guy, uh, otherwise people don't talk to you, and I don't want to annoy people. Um, there are some people who I know are journalists who are a bit of a cockwomble and they annoy people and that's not me. So I'm only a cockwomble with people that deserve it. So I'm going low. Okay. Seven. Wow. I mean, that is low. Mm. That is low. And then can uh, any names for those ones who are cockwombles? <laughs> Most Trump. Faye Hatcher. Or... <laughs> definitely, definitely not Faye. Definitely yeah. not. We were vice for that. Yeah, we were vice for that. Um, okay, then, Neil. So I had you as a score of 10, Steve, because I thought, you know, everybody's got a little bit of cockwomble in them. But also, maybe if you wanted to get that interview first, you could possibly be that cockwomble. So 10. So it is a low one. I'll buy that. Okay, right. So, hundred. <laughs> <laughs> He's got you now, Steve. No, I know. I have thirty-seven. I have thirty-seven. But again, but again, I'm going to drop it fifteen. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm going to drop it down to seventeen because because you are right. You are right. I was looking at it more. You're like you're this hard-nosed reporter that you know just the story matters nothing else. So you're blinkered that you need that story. But you're absolutely right when you're you know you you have to change you can't just be that you have to be nice and uh, uh yeah i don't you're not that much of a cockwomble so yeah i'm gonna change that i'm gonna oh, change thanks, that. that means a lot that's all right no problem <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe i got it so wrong but there you go but there you go right having a laugh how much of a laugh do we think the aftermath steve nibs is neil 70. Give him a good old 70, because in that line of work, you've got to have a laugh, surely. At some of the situations you find yourself in, um, people you're talking to, you must have a sense of humour, because I would imagine it would be a hard day if you didn't. It oh, really would. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you've, got to, you've got to be able to laugh at your mistakes. You've got to be able to laugh at the situations you sometimes find yourself in. So absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you need it. You call, if you didn't have a sense of humor in this job, you wouldn't cope. Trust me. Thank no. you. <laughs> there okay. you go. Well, I feel happy with myself now because I said 75. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. But no, because I think, I think he looks a bit cheeky in the aftermath does Steve Nibs. He's got that little glint in his eye. And you do think that when it comes to doing the stories of charity things in baked beans, baths and all that sort of stuff, he would quite happily get in there and do it if he needed to as well for comic relief. So have you ever done that? Have you ever had a bath in baked beans? No, and actually I would never do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, that's your score down. Taking 20 off then. No, no, no. no. Um, so Steve, what would, you, what would you give for having a laugh? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm 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 high as well. I'm I'm going for uh, seventy six for having. Oh, seventy six. Got to, I think you've got to temper it as well. I think there are times in the job when having a laugh isn't appropriate, and but most of the time, yeah, you you do. If you didn't enjoy the job and have a laugh with your mates, you couldn't cope with some of the stuff you've got to talk about. So, yeah, absolutely, I'm up for it. 
Steve, I got a quick, quick question on having a laugh. Have you ever been doing a report with somebody where you've got the giggles, where you're trying to cover a story and you've actually, that you can't, you've literally lost it? Yeah, yeah, only, only a couple of times, but luckily not live. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I did one years ago. I mean, I did a classic. This is in the days of Antis Bloomers. I did a classic piece to camera. I was trying to do it, RAF Lynham, when I was in Wiltshire. And I couldn't get it right. And uh, it wasn't particularly funny. It was just, I just couldn't get it right. And then my cameraman started laughing. And I think I did about 30 takes. And um, it was in the time when Antis Bloomers were on, they used to pay you for outtakes. So I, I gave them the tape and I think you got 250 quid or something. I can't, it probably wasn't even that much. But little did I know the licensing meant that it was then going all over the world. And I used to get texts from friends in Australia saying, I've just seen you on Australia corpsing and laughing in an in a RAF base. So um, yeah, it, it, it does go wrong. It's usually mm. with people that you know, that you know you just start to see and yeah, you've just got to leave the room and, and start again. Well, I must admit on the Series 3 um preview night you did put your life in your own hands because you went live like on the stage didn't you with all of us crowd behind you yeah um with daisy and charlie and i thought you were very brave doing that i must admit they they are very professional and so were the crowd they've been warned so uh, that helped um and, and like times when you'll say live in the center of a chelton gloucester wherever and you're at the mercy of the public uh, walking past live on the TV. That's that's the that's the difficult one, um, particularly because people think it's really funny to come up behind you when you're doing a piece to camera. And if any of you are listening to this and think it's funny, don't do it. It's really annoying. There I you go. Be, I will See? be a top one with it. I was yeah. gonna say, I, I it's put, been done. Oh, sorry, pal. I was going to say, I put 70 forgot range. That's when he would start fighting. Yes. Yeah. There you go. See, what was you going to say, Neil? I was just going to say, and also it's been done so many times, even the public watching it are thinking, piss off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can run to your work and beat the horn in shame and stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Undertakers. <then>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right, so that's uh, Steve Nibbs's card all sorted out for now. So here are his scores. Uh, got range 37. So that's not bad. Yeah, uh, that's... P- uh, Peeper 43. He's that's getting up. He's getting up. Rackets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not illegal peeping. Yeah. Random acts of kindness, 69. Good number there. Uh, Cockwomble, those legs, 11. And having a laugh, a mighty 74. Oh, that could well be a winning card, couldn't that it? That could well I'm be a winning card. I'm quite happy with those. And that's not a bad card to have. I think there's some really good scores on there. So uh, it's up to our listeners now to send their scores in so we can get the final results for next week. Neil, do you want to tell our lovely listeners how they do that? Of course. Go on to any of our social media sites. I think we're on all the platforms now under hashtag ThisCountryPod. You can cast your vote there. You can email us the vote or any other questions you'd like to at WTAFThisCountry at Hotmail.com. Likewise, you can go to the website, cast the vote there, where you can also purchase tickets for our final show on November the 26th. Well done. Sad fitness. Final show, indeed. Yeah. Um, and also, if you want to come and help support the podcast, go to uh, patreon.com forward slash peeper. No, it isn't. 
It's patreon.com <laughs> forward slash WTAF where you can become a peeper. Yeah, That's don't put the peeper one in. Don't you put go, the peeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. You go through a whole different kind of website if you put that in. <laughs> yes, uh, patreon.com forward slash WTAF. Uh, you can come and join us for our weekly Wednesday uh, Zoom get together. Uh, there's loads of other rewards and you can help support the podcast. And also go on to Apple Podcasts and please leave us a rating and a review. Five star rating would be lovely. Thank you very much. Um, so that's it. Thank you, N- Nibsy. It's been lovely to chat to you. It always is. Always is. Um, uh, there is always a, a seat here with your name on it. Um, so please come and get it because it's clogging, <laughs> up, clogging up everything in the shed. No, I'm only joking. No, we'd love you to come back when we're all allowed to. And uh, um, even if we come and chat about the Mandalorian, let's just have a chat oh, about that, shall we? We could be there for hours. Absolutely. I mean, we you know, hopefully cinema's reopening, uh, reopening soon, properly. So, yeah, we can talk about some films. And I've got a question for you guys, actually, before we go. Okay. Did either of you understand Tenet? No. I haven't seen it yet, Steve. No. Because of everybody telling me, I've really put it off. And I'm like, oh, it's weird. I went to the cinema um, when the first lockdown, well, when it came out in the cinema, my wife and I braved it. We went there. And the only thing that both of us, we looked at each other. We asked two questions. We said, what the hell is going on? And why is the music so loud? We couldn't work out what people were saying. We couldn't work out what was going on. It was it was one of the most confusing, like three hours, two and a half hours in the cinema. I take it you had the same problem then. Yeah, absolutely. We we saw it with some friends, and uh, we all sat around with a drink, making having all these theories about what was happening. Then one of us would go, but it couldn't have been that because that happened. You go, oh yeah, and stuff. So I've 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 bought it to watch at home just because it needs another viewing. I thought it was spectacular visually. Oh yeah, but yeah, I mean I do love Christopher Nolan stuff, but. You know, we'll talk about it on another podcast, but we will. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth watching. Though. It is definitely worth watching. Oh no, it's on my list. I will do it. I need yeah. one a night where I can completely concentrate on it. Yeah. But do you think they dropped it in the pandemic and didn't um, delay it because of maybe people the, the studio probably thought it's a bit too confusing? Because I thought for a Christopher Nolan film, you know, maybe they that would have been one of the films they held on to, but like mission um sorry like quiet place two and all of those that that was Bond. that was the movie that they were hoping will reinvigorate the cinema wasn't it, was a it? Big gamble when they spent so much on it though didn't they? i know it was it's yeah i think it's too clever for its own good i think that's what yeah, it's... It, it is i mean the, yeah it is because there's just so many questions i need to i need to sit down with chris Snowden and ask him really are you okay mm. Maybe we can sort that. Wouldn't we will. That we'll do. Good? We will. We will. But we'll all talk to him backwards and see how he likes it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and just out of interest, uh, Steve, what were your thoughts on the Mandalorian? Absolutely loved it. Um, got emotional in the last episode. Obviously, I bet mm. you were crying like a baby. Oh, it was. Um, oh. It was no. It was fantastic. I I cheered and screamed at the last one, and um, it's. Dare I say it, it's what the sequels should have been, um, even though I love the sequels apart from Last Jedi. Um, and yeah, it was just brilliant. And it was a massive nostalgia kick. And yeah. there is nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. No. And they're, they're filming the Obi-Wan Kenobi series as we speak. Mm. They started filming that. So that, I think, is going to be... 
And obviously I, I was, Boba Fett at the end of the year as well. Boba yeah. Fett. I, I was watching a, a bit. I'm sorry, this country fans that were just talking about Star Wars for a <laughs> yeah, bit. But I, I, I saw a bit of um, Ewan McGregor talking to Jimmy Kimmel. And he was saying that the day before he was filming, on, the, on May the 4th, on Star Wars Day, he was filming something with somebody that he's always wanted to film with and a character that he's always wanted to film with. And it was, and he left it at that. And I thought, oh my God, I mean, Luke, do you think it could have been like a young Luke? Well, Anakin, Anakin Skywalker apparently is in it. So Hayden Christensen's in this series. So how they work that out, I don't know. But haven't they named him as Darth Vader already? Yeah, yeah, they? he so, is. He yeah. is yeah. yeah, but it just makes all of a sudden. Then it starts getting you thinking. Oh, I'm not going to delve too deep into it, but you start getting you falling into it, and it's yeah. Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait! I love what with, they're doing. I mean, the great thing with the Mandalorian was, and we will shut up about it. But <laughs> um, there were lots of surprises in it, and it was just those lovely moments. I mean, I I'd not read stuff on it deliberately. Mm. Uh, so everything I saw was an absolute surprise and mm. it was brilliant and um, yeah absolutely wonderful yeah oh dear anyway welcome Steve... to this Star Wars <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, Steve thank you again so much for, for joining us it's always lovely to chat to you mate it and really to is. see you yeah stay safe um, keep doing what you're doing uh, thank you so much keep getting stories out there and uh, and we'll see you soon mate thank you very much you're more than welcome. Thanks for carrying on with the podcast, guys. You are an antidote to what's going on. So keep oh, it up. Bless oh, your thank heart. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, Steve. And thank you very much, everyone else. Go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual. Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.